open up our Bibles this morning to the Word of God in 1 John chapter 1. First epistle of John chapter 1. We'll read the whole of that chapter as well as the first two verses of 1 John chapter 2. Beginning at 1 John 1 verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us, that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This, then, is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Read the word of God to that point, and pray God blesses the reading of his word to us. It's on the basis of that passage, and many other passages in scripture too, that we receive instruction in Lord's Day 51 of the Heidelberg Catechism, <coughs> concerning the forgiveness of sins. Lord's Day 51, let's read that together now, question and answer 126. Which is the fifth petition, the fifth petition of the Lord's Prayer? The answer, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, that is, be pleased for the sake of Christ's blood, not to impute to us poor sinners our transgressions, nor that depravity which always cleaves to us. Even as we feel this evidence of thy grace in us, that it is our firm resolution from the heart to forgive our neighbor. Beloved in Christ, the Heidelberg Catechism mentions the forgiveness of sins many many times throughout the 52 Lord's Days of the Heidelberg Catechism. In fact, the forgiveness of sins is mentioned right away in Lord's Day 1 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Lord's Day 1, which speaks of the theme of comfort and points out, too, that part of the comfort that we have of belonging to our faithful Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, in life and in death, is this, that Jesus Christ hath fully satisfied for all my sins. And that continues throughout the Lord's days of the Heidelberg Catechism. The rest of the Catechism mentions the forgiveness of sins, it's mentioned in all three sections of the Heidelberg Catechism, not only in the second section concerning our deliverance from sin, 
but in all three. And thus, again, now in the third part of the Heidelberg Catechism, and specifically in the Lord's Day that is before us, but here from the perspective of prayer. Prayer that is the chief part of thankfulness that we show to God. And a chief part of the thankfulness that we show to God is that we pray as the Lord Jesus Christ taught us, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. This Lord's Day teaches us what it means to pray that. As we note that the Catechism mentions the forgiveness of sins many, many times throughout the 52 Lord's Days, then we are certainly very glad for that too. The Catechism is addressing our greatest grief, our greatest need in life, our greatest sorrow in life, the fact that we sin against God. In the words of Solomon, when the temple was being dedicated and when Solomon prayed the prayer before God at the, at the dedication of the temple, he said this, For there is no man that sinneth not. That is so true. And we need repeatedly to hear the gospel as the catechism gives it to us this morning concerning the forgiveness of our sin. The passage we read, 1 John chapter 1, points out that praying for the forgiveness of sins is a very necessary thing for us to do. It's something that we should do every day and it's something that we ought to incorporate in every prayer that we pray. And it's necessary, first of all, because sin is a reality in our lives. Notice what 1 John 1 says about that. Verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And then again in verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him, that is God, a liar, and his word is not in us. Sin is a reality. There is no man that sinneth not. Our sins are many. Our sins are great. Our sins must be confessed to God. The confession of sin is also necessary, as pointed out by 1 John 1, because if we do not confess our sins, we will not be forgiven by God. Notice that in verse 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that clearly teaches that the opposite is also true. If we do not confess our sins, God will not forgive us. And we will not be cleansed from all unrighteousness, that is, in our consciousness in our experience of the forgiveness of sins. We will not be cleansed from our unrighteousness. Ask, and it shall be given to you, Christ said. But James 4.2 mentions, Ye have not, because ye ask not. We must ask the forgiveness of our sin. 
Consider then with me this Lord's Day under the theme, praying for the forgiveness of sins. We notice three things, confessing our sins, seeking forgiveness, and receiving God's pardon. The first thing that this petition of the Lord's Prayer teaches us is you must confess your sins. Not hide them, not justify them, not minimize them, not make excuses for them, not deny them, not mention everything else in prayer, praise to God and thanksgiving to God and a bringing to the Lord of all of the needs that we have, but never mentioning sin. Not that either. But confessing. In prayer saying to God, Lord God, I have sinned. Now there are some who argue that it's not necessary to confess sin. Some who argue that it is not necessary to ask for the forgiveness of sin. I remember many years ago in one of our churches where I was a pastor that a regular visitor came to me one time and said, Pastor, why do you pray for forgiveness. We don't need to pray for forgiveness. We're already forgiven. And that man tried to convince me that petitions for the forgiveness of sin should not be included in prayer and should not be included in the congregational prayer. Those who say that will often come up with their theological or doctrinal arguments supposedly in support of that too. They will say this, we don't need to pray for forgiveness because we are eternally justified. God has always seen us and God has always considered us as righteous in Christ without sin from eternity. We are already forgiven. That's why we don't need to pray for forgiveness. Or they, may, they might say this, we don't need to pray for forgiveness because all of our sins are already paid for. They were paid for by the death of Christ on the cross. He fully atoned for our sins so that we are forgiven at the cross of Christ. Christ, all our sins. That's why we don't need to pray for the forgiveness of sin. Now those doctrinal statements are certainly true. We are eternally justified. All our sins are fully paid for and covered by the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. But that's not the same as the forgiveness of sins as it is experienced by the child of God. That's not the same as the forgiveness of sins as something that we experience by faith and in the way of confessing our sins to God. And so those truths, eternal justification, and the fact that all our sins are fully paid for by the death of Christ on the cross do not mean that we need not confess our sins to God. The scripture is very clear. Believers must confess their sins before God and they must seek the forgiveness of sins from Him. The Lord's Prayer itself teaches us that. Christ teaches us that. He taught us when he taught us to pray to include in our prayers a specific petition that ought to be included really in every prayer that we pray to God. Forgive us. We confess our sins and we seek the forgiveness of 
those sins from God. To say otherwise is to say, here is a petition in the Lord's Prayer that Christ was mistaken to include in the Lord's Prayer. No, the praying believer confesses he is a sinner. He does not deny that he has sinned. He understands, as we read of that in 1 John 1, that if he denies that he has sinned, he deceives himself. And the truth is not in him. And if he denies that he has sinned, he makes God a liar. The words of Solomon ring in our ears, for there is not a man or woman or child that sinneth not. By the grace of God, as the Spirit humbles us and works that in us, the child of God is one who willingly and frequently, as in, in every prayer, confesses sin. And notice, beloved, the Catechism tells us what sins we must confess to God when we confess our sins. What are the sins that we must confess? First of all, our transgressions must be confessed. That refers to our actual sins. The actual sins that are present in our lives. The sins that we commit daily. The sins that we commit repeatedly. Think of those sins. There are the sins of omission. When we omit something that we are commanded to do. There are the sins of commission. When we commit something we ought not to do. There are, in the words of Psalm 19, our secret sins. Sins that can be secret sins in two senses. First of all, secret because we keep them hidden. And no one else knows about that except us and God. But sins can also be secret sins in our lives as the people of God because we are so sinful, by nature depraved, that we don't even realize that some of the things that we th say, some of the things that we do, some of the things that we think are sin. Terrible sin. Secret in the sense that we don't even see them ourselves. And we must ask God to forgive them too. And then Psalm 19 mentions presumptuous sins. Those are the sins that we purposely commit. We know it's wrong. We know it's a terrible sin. We know the sin will have terrible consequences, but we still go ahead and commit it. Presumptuous sin. And then there are, as Psalm 25 mentions, our, our sins of youth, sins of the past, or sins of youth that are committed or have been committed recently by you who are still young, young people, young adults, your sins of youth. And then there are the sins we commit in our thoughts. We can appear to be godly, appear to be pious, but there is lust and envy and hatred in our hearts. And our Lord Jesus Christ spoke of that in Matthew chapter 5 when he said, Whosoever is angry at his brother without a cause 
has said. And when he said a few verses later in Matthew chapter 5, whosoever looketh upon a woman and lusteth after her in his heart has committed sin, the sin of adultery in the heart. Those sins must be confessed. Then there are all the sins that we commit with our tongues, the unkind words that we speak. Perhaps guilty of that this morning, an unkind word spoken to a spouse or to a child or to a parent or to a sibling. our language, our gossip, and slander. All the time we have together as families lately, how often do we commit that sin? Concerning all those sins, the Lord's Prayer teaches us, Christ teaches us in the Lord's Prayer, confess those sins. Be open and honest with God about your sins. God sees them. God knows them all. There's no point in hiding them from God. Confess your sins. In connection with that, in the second place, We are taught by the Lord's Prayer, although it's not explicitly stated that way in this Lord's Day, but we are taught by the Lord's Prayer and by the words of Christ in the Lord's Prayer when he said, and he taught us to pray, forgive us our debts. We are taught by that to confess our corporate sin. probably something we don't think about as much and something that's often neglected in our prayers. But Christ taught us to pray, forgive us our debts. And that obviously means this, first of all, that when we pray, forgive us our debts, we pray that because it isn't only I personally who needs the forgiveness of sins, but I desire that all of my fellow saints receive and enjoy and experience the blessing of forgiveness in Christ. We pray for each other through this petition. But it means more than that because it also refers to the fact that there are some sins that belong to all of us. There are some sins for which we are corporately responsible. It's a very striking example of that in the book of Daniel, when Daniel prayed, as that's recorded in Daniel chapter 9. Now remember, Daniel was a young lad when he was taken to Babylon. And Daniel was a very godly young man. But when Daniel bowed before God in prayer and reflected upon the sins of the nation of Israel, the nation of Judah, that they had committed in the land of Canaan yet, and God had taken them out of that land into captivity as a chastisement and punishment for those sins, what did Daniel say? Did he pray, my fathers have sinned? No, he said, Daniel 9 verse 5, we have sinned. He included himself in that sin, because he belonged to the nation of Judah, and he belonged to the church that had sinned against God at that time. We ought to do that too. We are accountable before God for the sins of every corporation, that's why it's referred to as a corporate sin, every organization or every unit or every entity that we are a part of. We are accountable before God for the sins of the whole human race. 
We are accountable before God for the sins of the nation that we belong to, for the city that we belong to, for the company that we work for, for the church to which we belong, for the denomination of churches to which we belong, for the family that we are a part of. Those sins must be confessed too. And regarding the sins of the nation, we don't say, well, they sinned and they better repent of those sins, but we say, we have sinned. Regarding the sins of our families, we don't say, well, so-and-so in the family sinned and it's got nothing to do with me, but we say, we have sinned as a family. Regarding the sins of the church, we don't say they committed a sin. The leaders or the members over there, this person, that person committed a sin. No, we have sinned. Admitting corporate sin. That in the second place. And then thirdly, as the Catechism points out, we must confess our sinful natures. The Catechism says this is what we are confessing to God. Quote, that depravity which always cleaves to us. You see, beloved, we're not merely people who sin. We're not merely people who do evil things. We are sinners. We are sinful within. By nature, we are depraved. By nature, we are totally depraved sinners. Unable to do any good. Able only to commit sin by nature. Of ourselves, unable to do anything good and anything pleasing to God. And that sinful nature is the source of all of our sin. Why is it that I hate someone or I lie to someone or I disobey someone or I covet what someone else has? Because of that depravity that always cleaves to me. Why is it that I gossip and slander and steal? Why is it that I break the Sabbath day because of that depravity which always cleaves to me. That's what the child of God confesses. That too must be confessed. Again, that's perhaps an aspect of our prayers for forgiveness that we often neglect. The Catechism reminds us, ask God to forgive you for your sinful depravity too, your sinful nature, because you're fully responsible for that, and you're fully guilty for, before God for it, and you cannot simply go to God in prayer and say, that's not my fault, that's Adam's fault, not mine, no, we are accountable before God for that too, that also must, must be when we pray for forgiveness then we must admit our sin not thinking to ourselves not approaching God in prayer and saying I'm a pretty good person I'm a fairly decent and rather godly Christian not saying that not saying, I don't sin very much. My sins are few in number. I do a lot more good than I do bad. And not, as I compare myself to others, my sins are small. I don't sin nearly as much as others do or nearly as badly as others do. But you think, beloved, of 
our sinful deeds, you think of our corporate sins, and you think of your sinful natures, and you realize you have many sins to confess before God. Because there is no man or woman or child that sinneth not. We humble ourselves before God in prayer and we confess our sins to him. And we do that, beloved, because we come to God seeking forgiveness for our sins. We seek forgiveness because, as the Catechism reminds us, we are poor sinners. Poor sinners because we are in debt to God. When the Lord Jesus Christ taught us to pray, that's the word he used. Forgive us our debts. We are debtors to God because of sin, and with every sin that we commit, we increase our debt before God. God requires perfect obedience. We do not obey God. We owe God the debt of obedience. God requires love of us. We haven't loved God perfectly. We owe God the debt of love. And the debt that we have before God is a huge debt. A huge debt because God is infinite and we sin against the infinite God. The debt that we owe God as poor sinners is greater than we can imagine and greater than we can ever comprehend. It's not simply a huge debt that we owe God. It's an infinite debt that we owe God. We are infinitely poor sinners. And what, what makes very clear that we are infinitely poor is this. God's demand to us as sinners is Pay your debt. Pay your debt. But we have nothing to pay him. There is no amount of good works that will pay the debt. There are no amount of prayers that will pay the debt. Or even decrease it a little. There are no amount of tears that we might spread, shed over our sins that will pay off the debt. Impossible. Impossible. So what's the solution? The solution for the child of God who is guilty of sin and who is a poor sinner because his debt before God is an infinite debt, and he cannot pay off that debt even a little, is simply that we plead with God to be merciful, to be gracious. Lord, forgive my debt. How can anyone, any one of us, burdened with the sin and guilt and shame of that sin, with the fear that we are worthy of the punishment of God for that sin, how can any one of us not pray to God, forgive my debt? And when we pray for that, as the Catechism points out, we are asking God for this. Be pleased not to impute to me my sins 
and my depravity. We're asking God not to remember against us our sins and our depravity. That doesn't mean that God completely forgets our sin. That's impossible. God will remember that. And God will remember them also on the judgment day when we know that he will bring up our sin. What we're asking for there, therefore in this petition is this, that God, though he knows our sins and knows our sins even better than we do and has a complete account of all of our sins before his mind, that he not hold those sins against us and that he not treat us according to the sins that we have committed. Because if he did, then we would perish. If he did, we would perish eternally. The Lord would mark our iniquities, as we sang earlier of that in Psalm 130. Who could stand before him? No one. No one. We ask that God not mark our iniquities, that God not hold them against us, that God not require from us the payment for those sins, that God not punish us for the sins that we have committed. And you realize, of course, beloved, that with this petition, we're asking for a miracle. That's what we're asking for, a miracle. That guilty and poor sinners who are infinitely indebted to God not be viewed by God as guilty, indebted sinner. We're asking that the holy God put our sins far away from himself and far away from us now and forever and says to us, your debt is paid and paid in full. You owe me nothing, nothing at all. That's the miracle that we are requesting when we pray for the forgiveness of sins. And the Word of God says to us, that's the miracle that God performs. Psalm 103, verse 12, as far as east is from west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Isaiah 38, verse 17, thou hast in love for my soul, cast all my sins behind thy back. That's what God has done with your sin. And Micah 7 verse 19, thou wilt cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea. That's the miracle of the forgiveness of sins that God affords his people in Christ. And when we pray that God forgive our sins, we're also asking for this, that God make us aware, conscious of the forgiveness of sin. The believer wants to know that he has been forgiven. The believer needs to be assured that he has been freed from the debt of sin and therefore freed from the punishment that his sins deserve. That's especially real for the child of God when the child of God experiences the heavy hand of God upon him, when he is afflicted, when he is heavily burdened by God. Whether that affliction is because of the consequences of the sin that he has committed or other afflictions that God brings upon him or her in this life. Because if the child of God is not sure that he has been forgiven his sins, then he is led to conclude, now God is punishing me for my sins. He really doesn't love me 
He is out to get me. He is now against me. When the child of God knows that he is forgiven, then he can know, even if he faces awful consequences of sin and great afflictions of life, if he knows he has been forgiven, he can know that God in love is chastising me. He is doing this for my good, not punishing me for my sins, because in Christ the debt has been paid for in full. So we pray urgently, because that's a great need, that God would let us know by faith that we have been forgiven our sin. God is pleased to pardon the sins of his people. He is merciful. He is gracious. He forgives those who truly and sincerely confess their sins to him and seek his pardoning grace. Why? Why does God forgive us? Or you could even say, why does God bother to forgive us when we repeatedly sin against Him? Well, God does not forgive us because we deserve forgiveness. We have no personal right to be forgiven. We deserve only judgment, wrath, punishment. Nor does God forgive us our sins because our sins are small and thus easily forgiven by God. That's never true. Just think of the price God paid, the cross, his own son. That proves there is no sin that is small and easy for God to forgive. Nor does God forgive our sins because somehow we earn the forgiveness of God by forgiving others, that God says to us, I'll forgive you now because you forgave the sins of your neighbor. Not that either. Now, this Lord's Day and this petition certainly reminds us that we are to forgive our neighbors their sins. And notice what the Catechism says about that, even as we feel this evidence of thy grace in us, that it is our firm resolution from the heart to forgive our neighbor. But notice very carefully, beloved, Christ does not teach us to pray, forgive us our debts because we forgive our debtors, but he said, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. As does not mean because. The use of the word as by our Lord Jesus Christ points to the fact, among other things, that we experience forgiveness of sins in the way of forgiving our neighbor. We must forgive each other. And God forgives those who do forgive their neighbor and gives them the experience of his forgiveness. Now, that's a difficult thing sometimes for us to do. Perhaps it would be more accurate to say, it's always difficult to forgive my neighbor, to forgive a fellow saint, to forgive a spouse, to forgive a child, to forgive a sibling, to forgive a parent. It's difficult. It is. 
Now, it ought not to be difficult if we would stop and consider God's forgiveness of us for sins way, way worse than someone has committed against us who is a neighbor. And it ought not to be difficult if we would stop and consider our own sins and realize, I have sinned too. I've sinned against others. That puts the sins of others in perspective when we consider our own sin. But God does say you must forgive each other. And if you don't forgive each other, you won't be forgiven by God. You simply will not know and experience and enjoy God's forgiveness of your sin. But again, the Catechism makes clear, and Christ himself made clear by use of that word as, that our forgiveness by God is not because we forgive each other. Part of the explanation for that is that even when we do forgive each other, that's not our own work. We don't produce that. God works that in us, that forgiveness of our fellow believer. The Catechism sets forth, you'll notice, the proper order. Very clear in that regard. Even as we feel this evidence of thy grace in us, that it is our firm resolution from the heart to forgive our neighbor. Why do we forgive the neighbor? Because God has worked by his grace in us. And our forgiveness of each other in the body of Christ and in our families is an evidence of God's grace in us. What comes first in us is the grace of God at work. The grace of God in Christ that humbles us. The grace of God in Christ that causes us to reflect upon how God has forgiven us so that we are kind and tender-hearted and we forgive one another even as God in Christ has forgiven us. And the grace of God at work in us to humble us as his children to see and to say, I too am a sinner. It's not as though I'm perfect and all of these other people have sinned and now I've got to forgive a bunch of sinners as someone who has never sinned. No. The grace of God that humbles us to see and to say, there is no man that sinneth not. And that's true of me too. The grace of God empowering us to forgive one another. So yes, we must forgive our neighbors, but it's not because we forgive each other that God forgives us. Why does God forgive us? For one reason. The Catechism mentions it. For the sake of Jesus Christ. For the sake of the blood of Christ. That is to say, God forgives us because of what God himself has done with our sin. He forgives us because he sent Christ. He forgives us because Christ died on the cross for our sins. He forgives us because when Christ died on the cross, he was fully punished for our sins. He forgives us because Christ's suffering, the wrath of God, the eternal torments of hell in our place, establishes our righteousness before God, our innocence, because that paid our debt in full. He forgives us because Christ was cursed so that we will never be cursed by God. 
He forgives us because Christ was punished for sin so that we will never be punished for our sin. He forgives us because Christ went to hell for our sin so that we will never ever face the fires of hell for our sin, not in this life and not in the life to come. Because of Christ, this is true. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we must seek forgiveness every day, but seek it in Christ. Not seek it because we are relying on our own worthiness, not seek it because we can come to God and think to ourselves and even say to God, my sins are few and small. Not seek forgiveness from God because we can claim before God, I've forgiven others, Lord, forgive me now. None of that. But looking only to and believing and trusting in Christ. Then we may receive and experience the blessedness of which we sing in Psalm 32. How blessed is he whose trespass hath freely been forgiven, whose sin is wholly covered before the sight of heaven. Blessed with the forgiveness of sin in Christ alone. Amen. Father in heaven, through thy word instruct and guide and teach us concerning prayer as an expression of our thankfulness to thee, and humble us by thy spirit so that we apply the word to our lives. We confess our sins, but we confess them in faith, believing that thou wilt forgive us for the sake of Christ thy Son. In his name we pray. Amen.